Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll read there together in just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're glad you're here, whether you're online. If you're online, we're glad you're here. Lean in if you're online. It's, uh, it's easy to kind of get distracted when you're just watching online. So lean in and maybe take some notes and follow along. And if you're here in person, we're glad you're here as well. Next week, we start this series called This Is Us. And it's in our life groups for all ages, preschoolers, all the way to the senior adults, every age of life group, and uh, in our worship services. And we'd love for you to participate. We're going to, I'll talk about our vision and our values, our vision and our values. We'll talk about who God wants us to be individually and as a church. And so I'd really love for you to participate. I think you'll, I think it'll be really a blessing to your life. And God's going to use that. We've been praying for a long time about this. And so uh, you join us in that prayer and let's ask God to, to, um, teach us and work through it. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to show on the screen verses 3, 4, and 5. That's where I'm going to focus. But last week I talked about verses 1 and 2, and I'm just going to read those two, and then they'll put on the screen from verse 3 on. But let me, let me just read verses 1 and 2 to you as well so you kind of get the context of what the Bible is saying here. The Bible says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. That's the imperative there. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. So that's, last week we talked about that, how God has given us the responsibility of proclaiming the truth and preaching the word, not just ideas or opinions. And now let's pick it up in verse 3. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Well, let's kind of dig into this passage. It's talking to us. Remember last week we talked about how God wants us to proclaim the word. We preach the word. That's what Timothy was to do. And he was to... Um, correct and rebuke and to encourage with all with great patience and teaching well let's let's note two principles here and uh, write these down if you're taking notes if you're following online write these down we had number principle number one many will turn from truth that's a sad principle but it's true many will turn from truth so paul said timothy now you preach the word i just want you to know timothy not everyone's going to want to hear it he says for the time will come verse three for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. And then on from there. When he says the time will come, it, so it sounds a lot like this time, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like this time. And so as we kind of work our way through, let's know how similar it is to how this life, this age feels. Three things I want you to note about that, that time when many will turn from truth. First, it will be a time of intolerance. I'm just writing that word intolerance in. Verse 3 says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. Now, toleration, being tolerant is the, I mean, that's the buzzword of our generation. And we want to tolerate everything, every act, every thought, every deed, every choice, whatever it might be, except, except what God says. So we're told, be tolerant of everything except well, God says, and then you can be very intolerant of that. Notice what the Bible says here. Be tolerant. Uh, the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. So sound doctrine, that's dealing with the truth, 
is that that's the very thing that will not be tolerated. The enemy doesn't mind us tolerating everything else except the truth. Notice that sound doctrine tells the truth about at least these four things, about God's nature, lots of things, really, but these four things. It tells the truth about God's nature. God is holy and God is love, and both are true. And if you only see one side of God's nature, you only see the love, God is love and don't see his holiness, you miss who God is. If you only see that God is holy and he's not love, you're really not understanding all of God is. And so the day will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and they don't want to hear the truth about God, but God wants us to know the truth. It's that valuable to us. And so sound doctrine tells us the truth about God's nature, about God's word. Some of God's word is really popular. People quote sometimes the Bible, the, the parts they like. And some, part, some parts are not so popular in our culture. But sound doctrine tells the truth about what God says and listens to, what, to God's Word. We'll talk in the This Is Us series about what it means to be Bible-based and how that applies to our life and to our church. Sound doctrine tells the, the truth about man's need. We want to say in our generation, man is really good and everything's fine and maybe the society has caused some problems. But the truth is, Sound doctrine reminds us that man is sinful, that though we have great potential for good because we're created in God's image, we are, we are sinners, and that has marred our, the image of God in us, and we're sinners, and we're broken. We're broken. I mean, the people around you are broken, and the person sitting right in your skin is broken. That's, we are broken. We are sinful, sinful. We have gone our own way. We're sinners by nature and by choice. And sound doctrine tells us the truth about that, and then it tells us the truth about man's response, that our response ought to be more than just, you know, try a little harder and sort of reform yourself and maybe be more religious, but that we need repentance, the Bible says. We turn from sin and turn to God, that we change direction. God wants to change us deep inside. In fact, the Bible says God wants us to be born again. God wants to change our heart, our soul, our lives. But many will turn from truth. The time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. Number two, they'll uh, self-affirmation is another way people will turn from truth. Self-affirmation. Verse 3 says, the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, this is what I, this is what I want, they will multiply teachers for themselves. You'll find lots of people who will teach this because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. So they'll say, I want someone who affirms what I already want to hear. Now, we want teachers who tell us what we want to hear. God wants teachers who tell us what we need to hear. We want teachers who tell us what we want to hear, but God wants teachers who tell us what we need to hear. Notice in verses 1 and 2, the Bible says where to preach the word and correct, rebuke. How many people really like say, oh, I'd love to hear some correction and rebuking. That sounds awesome. No, we don't always like that, but we need it. Sometimes we need what we don't want. So if you decided to climb Mount Everest, I'm not sure why you would do that, but it's a great challenge, and you know people do it every year. It's really dangerous, and people die on Mount Everest alive. We watch these documentaries about Mount Everest. But let's imagine you say, I'm going to climb Mount Everest, and you're going to need a guide to climb Mount Everest. And Do you want a guide who just tells you what you want to hear? Listen, it is beautiful on the top. You're going to have a great time. It's a lot of sunshine and joy. You're going to see the top of the world, and and really, it's not that bad, you know. I mean, it's, you know, you, can, you don't need to train. Don't work too hard. I mean, save your energy. Is that what you want? Or do you want someone 
who tells you the truth, what you need, not just what you want, but what you need. They say, listen, I mean, it's a great experience. If you can get to the top, it's, it's magnificent. But let me tell you, there's not much, there's not much oxygen on the top, you know. You, you probably should, you know, take some good equipment with you. And it's really cold. It's really cold. So you don't, it's like, you don't just wear a sweater, you know, like a light jacket or something. You, and you're going to need to train. Even though you don't think you want to, you need to. You're going to have to train hard and long and vigorously. And you might say when you're getting up there, I'm just going to climb it one day. And, but you have to acclimate. You've got to take some time and acclimate. Your body's got to acclimate to that lack of oxygen. And you might think this would be a great day to go, but that might be a terrible day to go because there might be a crowd of people in front of you and you get in a line behind people who are not really well trained and you'll find yourself just not being able to get fast enough and you'll just, you know, you'll, you'll lose your life right there. Or you'll say, it looks like a great day to go, but, but I know that the weather report says there's a terrible storm coming and it'd be terribly dangerous. Do you want someone who just tells you what you want to hear or what you need to hear? And we come to God saying, I just want to hear what I want to hear, God. I want to hear that everything's great and good and fun and nice. And I like, I, I kind of like where I am right now. I don't want to have to change anything. I don't want to have to correct. I sure don't want you rebuking me, God. But God loves us so much that he tells us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. In fact, deep inside, what you really want is not what you think you want. We think we want just God to say everything's great, good. What we, what we want is what we would understand we wanted if we saw God's perspective fully. There's a third part of turning away. Those, the time will come when people will turn away from the truth, and that's what I'm calling embracing the false. Embracing the false. So just write that, if you would, on your notes. Embrace the false. Verse 4 tells us about this. The Bible says, they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. So when I talk about, when I say embracing the false, I'm saying we turn from something and we turn to something else. When we turn from something, we turn to something. If we turn from the east, we're turning to, or from the west, we're turning to the east, right? I mean, that's, that's the way it goes. When we turn from one thing, we're turning to another. And the Bible is saying in the days that are to come, a time will come when people will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. So when we turn from the truth, we're turning to something that's false. We, there was a time in our lives when we watched a lot of Mythbusters. My youngest son really liked Mythbusters, and we'd watch that show, and they would take myths that happened, and you'd find out if it was true or not, and often they weren't. And I hate to disillusion you, but sometimes movies don't accurately portray life. I don't know if you knew that. And they would show, like, cars. Cars don't easily explode. I mean, they, you can catch a car on fire, you know, it takes some effort, though it's exploding cars are not, it's not easy for that to happen. But when you see a movie, you see cars going off the edge and they just explode in balls of fire all the time. Well, we often find ourselves turning from the truth and we find ourselves following myths. So we say, it takes a lot of faith to believe there's a God who made this universe, who created everything there is to see. And so, so we go to this, we turn to something else that says, I'm going to believe, it takes a lot of faith to believe that everything came from nothing. Or we say, I don't want to worship God. And so we turn from worship of God only to find ourselves worshiping pleasure or money or power or, heaven forbid, self. Self. 
And I'm telling you, you make a terrible God. Terrible God. But when we turn from something, we turn to something. And so the Bible says the day will come, the time will come. Paul said to Timothy, listen, Timothy, I want you to preach the word. And Timothy must have said, oh, that's awesome. That's exactly what I wanted to do, Paul. I'm so excited about it. You know, just I, I want to tell people about the truth. I want people to hear the word. And Paul said, listen, I, I love that. But I want you to know something, Timothy. Not everyone's going to want to hear it. Not everyone's going to want to hear the truth. Some people are just going to, they're going to cover their ears. You know, they're going to close their eyes. And they're going to run a different direction because not everyone wants to hear the truth. In fact, the day's going to come when they're going to try to find people who will just tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear, just what they want, who will just say, you're fine like you are. Don't worry about any of the changes that the Bible talks about. Don't worry about obedience. This obedience stuff is overrated because, you know, God's just love and he doesn't care about anything. There's no holiness involved. And people are going to turn from this. I just want you to know what you're getting into, Timothy, but tell the truth anyway. Tell the truth anyway, because the truth is what sets people free. The truth is what changes lives. The truth is what gives hope. The truth is the solid rock upon which they can build. But many will turn from that truth. There's a second principle I'd like you to know. If you're taking notes, you write this principle down. Respond with godly characteristics. So I love how Paul says this in verse 5. But as for you, now he's talking here about the response, even though some are not going to want to hear the truth. You're going to preach the word, Timothy. Some won't want to hear it. The time will come, but as for you, you be faithful, regardless of what other people do. And here are some characteristics, four characteristics I'd like you to note with me, what I'm calling godly characteristics that the Bible talks about here in verse 5 that describe how we're to respond to a generation, to a culture that doesn't care about the truth, a culture where many will turn from the truth. Four things. Number one, self-control. The Bible says, as for you, exercise self-control in everything. We exercise self-control. It's something we do. Doesn't, exercise doesn't just happen. It's something we're involved in. And we're to exercise self-control. Very important concept. The Bible talks about this a good deal. In the early days of COVID, like many of you, I, um, I was around my house a lot more, and I just found myself opening the refrigerator or the pantry and just eating you know, everything that I saw and I started gaining weight, and I said something, you know, I can't keep going this direction. Part of it is just frankly because I'm so cheap, I didn't want to have to buy all new clothes. I'll just tell you that. Someone in the earlier service said, you're not, you're not uh, cheap, you're just frugal. And I said, yeah, I'm frugal. That's right, I'm frugal with a side of cheapness uh, thrown in. So I said, I got to do something about this, and I've got to change some of the way I'm eating, and I got to change some, you know, habits. And so I decided for a short period of time, you know, several days, I was going to just not eat any desserts. It's a fairly small sacrifice for most, but that meant I wouldn't be able to eat any ice cream. And I really like ice cream. I mean, for me to give up ice cream is sort of like you giving up air, you know, breathing air. That's how strong I feel. But I said, I'm going to go these, you know, like several days until whatever, whatever day it was. Uh, it's going to happen. I was going to eat again. So I said, I'm not going to eat any desserts. I'm just going to try to change some habits. And so during that time, these few days that that was going on, I, my wife and I went to Chick-fil-A. And, you know, Chick-fil-A has some relatively healthy options. And so we we're just going to eat there. And we went through the drive-thru. And really, I, if Chick-fil-A ran our government, what a country we would be. I mean, they are unbelievably efficient. And you just get through that line. They know what they're doing. 
So, but my wife has an app, a Chick-fil-A app. I don't know if you knew they have these. And she looked on the app, and as we're getting in line for the you know, drive-through for Chick-fil-A, she said, uh, "Doug, they have uh, today. You can get a free milkshake." I don't know if you know this, but milkshakes have ice cream in them. Did you know that already? A milkshake, a free one. I've never, I mean, my favorite price for food is free. I really would like to find someone who would pay me to eat. But outside of that, free is my favorite price. And free ice, free milkshake. But I had already said I'm not eating any. What a terrible. So I said I can't. I, I'm not eating any dessert. What a horrible thing. Now, we've gone back to Chick-fil-A, you know, a dozen times since that. And, I, and every time I say, honey, check the app just in case. And it's never happened again. There's never been another free ice cream the whole time. Anytime we've been back, check it just in case. So, you know, sometimes we just go on Sundays just to see. Who knows? You never know. And I find, you know, I can be self-controlled in a lot of ways. And then I'm, but I'm not, but in some areas, Spiritually speaking, with so, so little self-control. Notice the Bible says here, here exercise self-control in everything. So we can be, like, maybe some of you, are, you have great self-control at work, but not spiritually. Great self-control and exercise, but not spiritually. And isn't it interesting that God in heaven is talking to us about gaining self-control in a world that doesn't care about the truth? God is saying, I want you to drill down on the truth. Spend time in my word. Find out what the Bible has to say. Read the Bible for yourself. So let me ask you to do, to apply this in, a, in, in three different areas. In, first, in what you watch. Exercise self-control in what you watch. I just want to say a word about pornography right up front. It's such a damaging thing. Many women, more, increasing number of women struggle with it, but lots and lots of men. And it's a battle, men it's a, and women, it's a battle worth fighting. We begin, if we're not careful, instead of seeing other people as created in the image of God, we begin to see them as objects, and it changes the way we see and think. Fight that battle. It's a battle worth fighting, and I say that in a generation just saturated with pornography. It's a battle worth fighting. Have self-control in how you respond. You can't choose how people act, but you can choose how you respond. We act as though, I used to say when I was a kid, he started it about my brothers. And quite frankly, they did start most of the problems. I just want to say that for the record. But my parents didn't let me get away with what well, he started it, as though that meant you can do whatever you want. And they started it so everything is okay for you. If someone responds to you in anger, it doesn't mean you have to respond or that you ought to respond to them in anger. How you respond to someone matters. Use self-control. Before you post something, before you respond on social media, think. What a, what a difference that would make in our society if people would think before they speak, before they respond, before they post. Use self-control in what you watch and how you respond in what you do. I'd love for you to get self-control in devotionals. Spend some time taking personal responsibility for your spiritual growth. Read the New Testament for yourself. Day by day by day, begin to learn more about the Bible. Read, read through the book of Matthew, and then maybe skip over and read the book of Philippians, and then read John, and then read the book of Revelation. Read through that New Testament over and over. Eventually, through the entire Bible, get to know God's Word well. Use some self-control. Exercise self-control, the Bible says, in everything. In a world that doesn't care about the truth, you need to drill into the truth more than ever. A second thing we're to do, a second 
godly characteristic is endurance. Endurance. Just write that on your paper if you would, please. Endurance. The Bible says here, endure hardship. It's, I mean, I really admire the, guy, the guys who can do like dunk a basketball or something, but there's something about the endurance of long distance, like distance runners and cyclists and climbers that takes so much self-control of the mind. Self-control and endurance go together. Notice the Bible says here, endure hardship. So it means we're, we need to be willing to do hard things. And much of the success of your life in almost every area of life, certainly spiritually, is your willingness to do hard things because God is going to ask us to do some hard things. Don't run from hard things. Just because it's hard for you to, whatever it is, tithe or to get baptized or to share the gospel or to get into ministry doesn't in and of itself mean it's wrong. God asks us to do some hard things. He asks some things of us that are difficult. Don't run from them. There's a young lady who grew up here in our church. She was here as a teenager in suburbia. And God called her to be a, um, into the journeyman program. That's a two or three year missions program the International Mission Board does. And she left suburbia to serve in a country called Burkina Faso. It's super hot in the summertime, dry season and a wet season, like 109, 110 degrees for long periods of time in the heat of the dry summer. And then she was living for periods of time. She would go live in a village, you know, back and forth. There places a little, had a little bit more modern things. But when she lived in the village, sometimes for a week or two at a time, um, she was living in a mud hut, thatched roof. And there was not even an outhouse. I mean, just kind of a general area where you went to the bathroom. And I thought, that girl, what if she said, I'm not, I just want the easy way. I want the easy road, God. And can I just tell you, that's the way a lot of Christians have kind of approached God. I just want the, whatever's the easiest, God, that's what I want. Now, God's way is always the right way, of course. It's best for you, but sometimes it's uphill. Sometimes God asks of you some things that are hard. It's harder to share your faith with others than not to. It's harder to do ministry than to not do ministry. There are a lot of things about faith that God calls us to do that are hard. And I want to remind you as well, enduring hardship means to stay faithful in difficult days. Some of you are in a difficult day right now. It's a hard time. This broken, fallen world is hard, and you're in a tough time. But if you'll stay faithful now, that is a powerful witness in this world. Being faithful in hard times and God often uses it to open doors of opportunity for us. It's means often by which we can minister to others. It opens opportunities to make a difference in the lives of people. Endure hardship, the Bible says. There's a third thing. I'd like, I want you to write this down, uh, godly characteristic, evangelism. The Bible says in verse 5, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, and then it says do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Every believer is to be involved in evangelism. All of us, evangelism is not just for like someone out there, some, somebody who lives in another place or has a different ministry area. All of us are, we're called ambassadors. That's our job, ambassadors for Christ. If we know him as Savior, that's our job. We're ambassadors. And we share the gospel with other people. And we're to do the work of an evangelist. Certainly Timothy and his role as a pastor and a church planter was to be doing the work of an evangelist to you. Whatever role it is that God gives for you in the body of Christ, do the work of an evangelist. 
That means at least three things. It means we speak. I love the witness of our lives, but that's not enough. It doesn't stop there. There's also the witness of our lips. God wants us to use our lips. You back it up with a godly life. There's something about the power of a godly life that makes a difference, of course. It earns a right to be heard. It, it brings a power to that sharing of the gospel. But God wants us to speak. The, the evangelist shares the good news with others. It means we speak the truth. We tell people the gospel, the whole gospel, that man is lost without Christ, that Christ did something about our broken, needful condition. Christ came into this world on our behalf and lived for us that perfect life and died the death we deserved. Jesus rose from the grave for us. Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell on our behalf. Jesus ascended back to the Father. He's coming one day. He tells us that we need to be saved. He calls us to repentance. He sent the Holy Spirit to convict us. We speak. We speak the truth, and we speak the truth to others. We, we want people who don't know Christ to be saved. We want people to hear the message of the gospel. You probably know some people who have never one single time heard clearly the gospel message. Maybe they've heard bits and pieces. They have opportunities anytime, of course. But maybe God put you in their life because he wants you to be the means by which they hear the clear presentation of the gospel. Maybe they've just heard kind of the confusing side. You need to just, you know, kind of do good enough and that's how you reform to heaven. Or if you could just be religious as though that would be enough. But they've never heard the gospel message that man is lost without Christ and only Christ can save them. And perhaps God would use you to speak the truth to others. I, I love seeing people come to Christ as Savior. I love seeing, we've got a number of younger people, young adults in, in our church who have come to Christ in recent weeks and teenagers coming to Christ and some of our older children coming to Christ. And I love that. I'm just, we ought not get tired of that church. It matters. There's rejoicing in heaven when one person, when one sinner repents, just one. I love seeing that. Perhaps God brought you to this place or God's having you watch online because he wants you to be saved. And we want you to know Christ as Savior. But can I tell you, we do the work of, of the evangelists together. And perhaps God in heaven has placed you where you are in that family or in that job or in that neighborhood because he wants you to be a gospel witness to them. And perhaps he would use you as a means by which they'd hear the clear presentation of the gospel so that they could hear that there's a God who cares about them even though they're broken and damaged and sinful. And they can be saved from their sins by repenting and placing their faith in Christ and receiving him as Savior. And so the Bible says, do the work of an evangelist. Self-control, endurance, evangelism. Number four, service. Service. The Bible says, Paul says, fulfill your ministry. Timothy said, fulfill your ministry. Now, when he says fulfill, we could almost think of it like this. Get after it. Timothy, get after it. Don't just, it's not just a position you fill, but you get after this position God's given you. Do your best. If you're teaching a life group, you ought to be the best life group teacher you can possibly be. If God's given you some area of ministry, do the best you can in that ministry. If God is giving you opportunities, do all you can. Get after it. Don't waste those opportunities that God has provided for you. Fulfill them. Get after it. Do your best. The Bible says fulfill your ministry. Take ownership of the ministry opportunities God gives you. I say in the membership class often, don't say, if you join this church, don't say their church or Pastor Doug's church or something. It's our church. 
And God has a ministry for you. God has a place for you. Take ownership of that. Paul's saying, Timothy, this is your, this is your role in the kingdom. Don't just don't say that's for someone else. Many Christians say, oh, it's someone else's job to witness. It's someone else's job to serve. It's our job together. Fulfill your ministry. Serve. Find some way to serve the Lord. Find some ministry to be a part of. Find some way to make a difference. Do your part. No one else in all the world can be you. God uniquely gave you the opportunities, placed you where you are, gifted you, uses you, and no one else in the world can replace you. No one else in the world can be you. No one can be you for you. That's your job. So find what God wants to do through you and do your best. Fulfill that ministry. Take ownership of it and then do your part. That's the work that God does in life. And when we do this, in this this world that doesn't want to hear the truth, God uses people like Timothy and Paul, me and you, to a world that doesn't much want to hear the truth, thinks all they really want is just what they think they want, to see there's something bigger, there's something they need, and that the truth matters. And perhaps God in heaven has placed you in this world because he wants you to be the means by which someone who doesn't think they even want to hear the truth will find out they need the truth. And God will change their life and their eternity and they'll use someone just like you. Let's bow together. Now as we bow, I want to ask you to give your life to Christ if you haven't. The Bible tells us to repent of our sins and to place our faith in Christ and receive Him as Savior. And if you're watching online or you're here in person, you can give your life to Christ right now. Turn from your sin and give your life to Christ. Trust Him as Savior. Don't just know about the Lord, but know Him as Savior. And Christian, if you know Christ as Savior, would you say, God, it's pretty, pretty obvious. I live in the, um, in the days, the time that will come when people won't want to hear They won't want to tolerate sound doctrine. They'll try to find teachers who just tell them what they think they want to hear. They're going to turn aside from truth to myths. But you tell me right in the middle of that world to have some self-control, to endure hardships, to do the work of an evangelist, and to fulfill my ministry. And so, God, by your grace and through your power, I want to do my part. I want to do my role. Would you use me to make a difference in this world for your your glory? Would you help people to see what they desperately need, even though they don't know they want it, and help them to see what they so need, what they want if they could see your perspective, what they need when they see the truth? Help them. Help me to be used by you to help them. And Father, I thank you for the power of your word. It is truth. And often we live in a world that wants to run from truth and hide from truth and pretend it away and but it's true, and it's, it cuts to the quick. There are people in our lives we care about who have never responded, people who we want to give up, we want to give up on, but you won't let us. There are people who desperately need the truth, and they don't even know it. Lord, would you use us to make a difference in the lives of people? And Father, we thank you for the truth that sets free and makes whole and gives life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.